Hey guys, if you enjoyed this episode, please support our podcast by going to talkmurder.com slash join and becoming a Taco Supremo. Hey, Talk Murder Gang, I want you to cover a case for me that I cannot get out of my head. It's about a 27-year-old elementary school teacher that committed suicide in the apartment she shared with her fiancé. Well, the police claim it's a suicide, but I'm not so sure, seeing that the pathologist noted 20 stab wounds, including many to the back of the neck. Any hoozles, I'm seriously obsessed with you guys, and congrats on being one of the top downloaded true crime pods of all time. Love, Savannah. Oh, that is good. Yeah, it tastes like uh, one of those liquor pops. Ooh. So the drink, I basically took like the core ingredients and flavors of the cocktail Did recipe. Did you put wine in here? Uh, just a smidge. You can taste it. Just a smidge. So in this cocktail, so the recipe called for like white grape vodka. We didn't have that. So I just put in, I did vodka. It called for sour mix, which we did have. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, It called for some Moet, which I wasn't going to open a whole bottle of champagne just for that. Mm -mm. So I just did a smidgen of Chardonnay that we had open. Um, And then it called for some fresh berries, used raspberry liqueur for that. It also called for some Grand Marnier, which is orange flavored, which we don't have. So I used some of the Aperol. Aperol. Oh, I forgot Adderall? You put Adderall in no, here? No, I, I forgot about Aperol. And a touch of seltzer, which you can't really taste, but that's okay. And I'd, garnish with a lemon. So the hint tonight was plunge. So, Nicole, where are we going and who are we killing tonight? I think we're going to Maine tonight. Ooh. And I think this is a New Year's Day murder. And someone is murdered and found dead on the beach after the polar bear plunge. Ooh. This takes place in 1978, is my guess. Were they doing polar plunges back then? No idea. Oh, okay. I think that we are going to the Gulf of Mexico area. Oh. In 1989. Surprise shots! Surprise shots! We don't know what they are, because they're a surprise. Malibu. Ah, drink that baby oil. Mm. Oh, God. It tastes like I'm back in junior high. You used to drink Malibu in junior high? You know what was big, though? Pa- the Parrot Bay rum. The yeah. Parrot Bay coconut rum was really good. In junior high? All right. T- <laughs> tonight, we are going to January 26th. I was close. I said January 1st. Oh, I don't actually listen to you guys anymore, I know to be honest. Know. All right, here's where we're going to tonight. January 26, 2011. We're going to 4601 Flat Rock Road, Philadelphia, born and raised, PA 19127. We're going to the Venice Lofts, which have now been renamed, I don't think because of the story, but now they're called the Apex Apartments. Hmm. So, a nice apartment building here. Yeah, they look nice inside. And like I said, January 26, 2011. So, this was a Wednesday during a nor'easter. Nor'easter! Whatever y'all have to deal with up there. (sighs) Yeah. And it was intense snow, so everyone's just kind of snowed in. So, look on the screen now. This is Samuel Goldberg and his fiance. Ellen Greenberg. Hmm. So go ahead and describe them for our audience, please, Nicole. 
They are a young, tan, brunette-looking couple with great teeth. Mm, very attractive couple. What do you think she does for a living? A dentist. Yoga coach. What do you think he does for a living? A dentist. No, wait. He's a dentist. She's <laughs> a dental fuck? hygienist. <laughs> this story is going to interest both of you guys because, number one, they're about to get married. They oh. just sent out the save the date cards. Oh, we didn't do that. Mm-mm. And number two, she is a elementary school teacher. Oh. 27-year-old Ellen Greenberg, elementary school teacher, well-loved by everyone. Of course, you know what that means. Oh, shoot. She dies. Well, like this is talk murder to me. <laughs> Somebody dies. We know that. But she's got great hair, great teeth. Man. He has really nice eyes and a great smile. They both they have great They look very smiles. happy together. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm not pinging up any vibes from him uh-uh. right now. So you don't think that he actually... I'm just saying, not right now. We've seen one photo. I need to see more on the body language, but in this photo, they look very happy. Their chemistry looks good. They're both smiling. He's got a bloody spatula in his hand. He does not. It's marinara sauce. <laughs> okay. <laughs> They're making a meatballs. So Samuel Goldberg here, he's actually a TV producer. Pretty big name. And, oh. you, were, and you were close with the doctor. Her... Both of her parents are in the medical field. Her, well, her father's the doctor. They weren't, but well, I know. Making but me feel better. It's around four thirty, and this is a Wednesday afternoon. And Samuel here, he goes to the gym. It's his routine. Now they live together, obviously. Sierra of GTL. So they live together. He goes to the gym at four thirty, just like usual. And when he comes back home, four thirty in the morning. No, four thirty at night. Oh, oh man, thank God! I was going to say sorry. Sixteen thirty. Motivated. For all, you guys. all right, Samuel Goldberg. He goes to the gym. He's working out. He's working on them buys. Uh, 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 uh. He comes back to his apartment that he shares with his soon-to-be wife, Ellen Greenberg, and he knocks on the door. She doesn't open. So he pulls out his phone after about five minutes and he starts texting. Now, the texts you're reading now are over a period of about half an hour. Open the door. What are you doing? I'm getting pissed. Hello? You better have an excuse. What the fuck? Ah, you have no idea. Ooh, he sounds like an angry man. I would say the same shit, too, because that comes up a lot in this case. Oh, well, I look at his text, but I would do the same shit to you. You'd if be, I just came you'd home, be pissed. if I, I just yeah. came home from, you know, working out my rockets at the gym, your rockets or my gun. If I just came home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. If I just came you think really highly of uh, those guys. If I just came home from doing my bazooka workout <laughs> and I'm knocking on the door and you ain't opening with my food ready, my dinner ready, but warmed also, up. But also, where's your key? I'd be like, what the hell? Where, where, where's your okay, garage good, door opener, that's dude? That's a good yeah. question. Because so, otherwise, I'm probably in the bath. I'm probably napping. There's a good reason why I'm not answering. Also, like you better have an excuse and then you have no idea. Those are really threatening sounding messages. That's a good point about the key. He did have a key and he did unlock the door, but it was... It had a deadbolt, not mm-hmm. like a deadbolt that you're thinking of, but you know when you go to a hotel yeah. oh, and that's sliding. No, yeah. not the chain, but the the bar 
Yeah. yeah. This, you know what I'm saying? Hold on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know what you mean. You go. You have to lift it up. Got it. This yeah. right here. Okay. okay, that in the hotel room. Got it's, it. Yeah, I don't know what they call that. It's a deadbolt. So he can't get in. Now, he goes down to the office and the night manager, security guard there, his name is Phil Hanton, 67 years old. I don't know why the newspaper decided to put his age in there like it matters. But he talks to him. He's like, hey, my fiance, she won't open the door. I just came home from doing this killer workout. My thighs are burning right now. Can I please get into my apartment? And he was like, well, it's, you know, it's against policy, but okay. Did they have the apartment together, though? Like, was, Yeah, they lived together. Was Were they both on the lease? I don't know. Well, <laughs> well that makes a difference, because if he if wasn't he, on if the he, lease. Yeah, if he wasn't, then he'd uh, probably be like, no, I can't. Well, yeah, I guess he wasn't then. That makes sense. Well, I don't know. Because basically he asked them to kick the door in. Because the door... Wasn't locked per se. It had one of those sliding door locks that you can't unlock with a key. I don't know, hmm. but it was against policy. But anyway, they went up there together and they forced the door open. And then a nine one one call came in. Now the nine one one call, unfortunately, is not public that I could find. Hmm. But from what I read about the boyfriend Samuel calls nine one one and says. My fiance is on the floor. She's not breathing. And then when the dispatcher says, okay, here's how you perform CPR to resuscitate her, he notices a large knife stuck into her chest. Oh, my gosh. So it's deadbolted, though, from the inside. The inside. You can only deadbolt it from the inside. Exactly. Wasn't him. Unless he he escaped out. out. What what floor was the... Uh, this was on the sixth floor. This was on the sixth floor. That was a good question. Fire escape, potentially. So keep this in mind. It did have a balcony, but it was during the nor'easter, and there was no footprints mm. in the snow. Yep, yep, at all. So no one went out the balcony unless the, it happened earlier in the day and during the nor'easter. No, no, no. He snow. left at four thirty p.m. and at six thirty-three is when they kicked the door in. Huh. So that's that still was, enough. T- depending on how hard it, I'm not. I'm not. I'm sorry. Depending on how hard it snows, it's going to cover all those footprints. I don't think so. That's. I mean, you put your pressure and your foot well, on there. That's like it, three it inches. Could have wiped away the him, the per- perpetrator coming into the building, but to for it to completely cover up the eggs person exiting. Okay, let me let me just harder. let me just say right now they completely ruled out the balcony they said there's no way there would have been some sign of footprint so just i'm just throwing that out there that's not a possibility okay Mm -hmm. no one came in or left through the balcony window was there a window open no there's no window there was just a balcony so let's just sounding quite self-inflicted to me okay so you're on the self-inflicted so far based on based on the information that is available to me at this point in time all right, well, tell me what you think now. This is from the Inquisitor, the Philadelphia paper, if you want to read this. 
case of Philly teacher found with 20 stab wounds. Okay, never mind. To be <laughs> featured on Oxygen's accident, suicide, or murder. On January 26, 2011, Greenberg, 27, was discovered by her fiancé on the kitchen floor of their locked Maniunk apartment with a 10-inch kitchen knife lodged in her chest. 10-inch knife it was about four inches deep inside of her chest. 20 stab wounds. All right, so let me ask you what I just asked you three minutes ago. So you say it was self-inflicted. Well, 20 stab wounds. This kind of goes back to the bald dead case. 20? Mm, I don't think that's possible to be self-inflicted now. So before we really dive into this, this is a... Request from Savannah. She really wanted me to do a story. It, Savannah. So you know it's a good story because she knows all the because she knows all the good ones. And it is a team John. This is a murder or suicide case. Yes. A, yes, I said a murder or suicide, and she has 20 stab wounds in her body. 20. And I'm saying this is a murder or suicide. And I'm just gonna put well, I'm not gonna put my position out there yet. But All right, Team John. It is a murder or a suicide. Tell me about these stab wounds. Were they shallow, deep? Where were they located on? Oh, her we're body? gonna read the we're gonna read through the autopsy report here in a second. But I know twenty, it doesn't really register. You may not be able to picture that. But picture this in your mind, because this is what helped me. When I was reading the autopsy report, the pathologist started at stab wound A. And he ended at stab wound T. Mm. So that kind of puts it in perspective. That's a lot of freaking yeah, stab wounds, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. The only thing I can think of right now without having any of the facts where they were stab wounds is if she was self-harming and then mm. finally took the the ultimate. A 27-year-old teacher... She's 27 years old. She's an elementary school teacher, loved by everyone. She's about to get married, and she is self-harming that, and stabbed herself 20 times. Well, I mean, here's the thing. How, <laughs> well, how, how, how elongated were the stab wounds? Because well, we'll she could have been, been cutting. No, That's what I was thinking initially, too, Jim. It would, no, this was, a, this was not cutting, like, separate incidents. This was during the two-hour no, period. No, but, like, but was she cutting herself? She like, has no slice, history slice, of cutting herself. It doesn't matter if you have history or not. It could be. And it was all. There were but all. It, okay. It, let, the stab wounds were not self-mutilated, like suicide tracks, whatever. I don't know. Well, let's get into it and well, we'll find out. Before we get to the autopsy report, because you guys were saying, is she cutting? This is the placements of the knife wounds from a computer generated right, model. This will answer our questions. Oh, yeah, no. Oh, yeah, this ain't So where's for- half of those knife wounds? <laughs> in the back, back of her, of her neck. neck. In the back of her neck and ones at the very top. You see it where it's blurred out? Yeah. That's a big gash right <sighs> in her head. Ooh. Uh. And then the fatal wound goes right through her chest four inches. Yeah. So I'm is that say- is that cutting to you? No. I'm going to say, no. <laughs> say this is no longer self-inflicted. I'm, fl- I'm flip-flopping. Uh. I am yeah, flip-flopping I my well, position on this case. You're flip-flopping, and you sound like the Philadelphia police, the medical examiner, and the district attorney. Yes. Because <laughs> they went, and I'm going to get to this, they went from suicide to homicide, back to suicide, 
then back to homicide, and then finally they settled on suicide. <laughs> uh, all so, right, take me with you, yeah, John. Take me with you. Go. Right now I'm on, I'm fl- I flopped to homicide, so. Okay. This is a good case. Yeah, it is a good case. Thank you, Savannah. So if this is your first episode, Savannah is one of our good time friends, longtime Talco Supremo, and she has her own podcast now called The Missing, and her latest episode is really what you need to listen to after this. It is called Missing Hope. It's a tearjerker. I produce it, and when I was editing, I teared up. It's not missing. Aww. I never found you know, my baby or my husband anymore. She goes through four cases of the missing that the person's missing were eventually found. It is really tear jerking. One of the friends was found after 38 years and then the reunion and they got it on video. It's really heartbreaking. So go listen to that. That is what you need during this crazy time that we're living in today. You need some hope. And that's why she put that episode out. She wanted to put some light into this dark world And so I definitely recommend you go check that out. All right. What you're looking at now is the inside of her apartment. So, Nicole, can you kind of describe the apartment for our listeners? Um, hardwood floors, granite countertops. Has there been a struggle here? Um, oh, is that a potato? Blood on her Ugg boots. Yeah. So she's wearing Ugg boots. (laughs) Is that a potato? Oh, my God. So this is one of the evidence. The right amount of Aperol. It is a potato. (laughs) So this is one of the evidence photos. Go talkmer.com to see these. And there's blood on her shoes. Now the blood splatter and the positioning of the body is going to become very important in this case. And this is her legs right here. They did not release the full uh, crime scene photos of her body or anything. Mm. But you do see the crime scene and the blood splatters, and I'm putting that on talkmurder.com. There's a pool of blood right there that's by the stove. It's pretty deep pool. So she was actually... Yeah, it is. So if you look at that position right there, you see blood on the... on the um, the the What do you call them? The cabinets? There is mm-hmm. splatter, yes. So it's not just like... It doesn't really look <sighs> like as much as... As well in the bot in the top left hand corner of the photo, you can see a little bit of splatter. But on the in the that second cabinet there, it looks more as if like like she hit her head maybe on the corner of the stove, like where that's maybe that's where the gash came from, and that's why we have such a huge pool of blood because there was such a large gash that we saw in the computer generated model. So maybe she hit her head on the corner of the stove or another cabinet and fell to the floor. And that's where you see that blood kind of looks more like spludged and smudging than like stabbing. But to me, this still shows like she certainly could have hit her head, but I still see struggle versus self-inflicted. So here's how detectives think it played out. The picture you're looking at right now is what? What do you see on the counter? A Brita filter. Oh, this. Blueberries. Blueberries, Blueberries. in the colander. So she a cantaloupe, was, tomatoes. So go back to this picture right here. She uh-huh. was slicing that something. That was right there. Oh, exactly. she had, she had, was it a lemon sliced? It was cut in half. Yeah. Look. So she was yeah. making a fruit salad. Her back was turned to the attacker if she was murdered. She was in the process of cutting up a fruit salad or cutting up blueberries in that bowl. And then the theory is the attacker came up from behind and then that's where you see this pool of blood on the floor. She gets attacked 
what they call a blitz attack. And then she turns around and her body slides down the cabinets. And that's where she lays to rest on the floor. She's sitting up. Her legs are splayed out. She's sitting up erect. Her back is towards the cabinet. And that's where she died. So she slid down. That's what I'm trying to say. But she was in the process of cutting up fruit. So you see that picture there. Go to talkmer.com to see that. So why would you cut up fruit and then stab yourself to death? If you're going to kill yourself, you're not like making a sandwich and then Well, yeah, you usually to try yourself. to stage it. It's like almost state. It would have to be like staged. So I'm really not trying to do anything. But who does that? Well, usually, well, I don't want to say... Aside from Bald Dead, I don't know. The Bald Dead episode, yeah. I don't want to say usually, but a lot of times when someone's considering suicide, what they want to do is tie up loose ends. So why like the question is, why would you mm. be in the middle of preparing a fruit salad? That's a very interesting point. So you brought to be up- like, oh, I'm going to finish the fruit salad for my fiance so he has it there. Ready to eat, and then I'm going to kill myself. No, but I mean, like, like, just in in the simplest terms. Well, I mean, I was thinking more along the lines of why, like, she probably wouldn't be preparing the fruit salad. That's probably the last thing. Let me run through these photos right quick, and then I'll give you some more details. Here's another blood smear. You see, that's kind of a hand. You see kind of a hand smear. Like she was fighting her way up. Clawing up, yeah. You see two clean knives in the kitchen sink. Perhaps for her fruit salad. And of course they check for DNA on the knives and the knife that was inside of her chest and the only DNA found was her own. This is the lock. So this was locked when the boyfriend slash fiance tried to enter. What you're looking at now is the computer-generated model. So we'll go through that here in a little bit. There was no suicide note. She didn't leave a suicide note. She didn't tie up loose ends. She's about to get married. Plus, she's very close with her mom and her father. And she didn't, you know, she didn't plan any of this, it seems. There were also no defensive wounds on her body. Now, she did have bruising on her body, but as far as defensive stab wounds, there was none at all. To get stabbed 20 times and not defend yourself at all seems kind of far-fetched to me. Now, the initial report, the police... Unless the gash came first, unless the big blow on her head was the first thing kind of knocked her out. Mm -hmm. And I'll get to that, so... So when I approach these cases like this, for me at least, I look at one factor first and foremost. Now I'm talking about with a murder-suicide case. And do you know what that is? It's very History important. of depression. No, not history of depression or anything else. What I look for in every case I do with murder or suicide is one simple question. And that is, is it possible... For her to stab herself 20 times. Because if it is not possible, game over. Let's stop looking at the suicide route and find the murderer out there. But if it is possible, you know, we have to keep going down that rabbit hole. That is the most important question that I always answer. I did that in the Phoebe's. The Phoebe's Fall case that we did. It was I did it in the Bald Dead case. When I initially Mm -hmm. do these murder-suicide cases, it's a First thing I want to know is the most important question. Is it 
possible for her to do this herself. Because if it is not, then she was murdered. Right. In the other cases that you just referred to, it certainly was possible. Like they were, a- Phoebe was able to con- constrict her body into that little cubby. What's her name was certainly able to shoot herself. Right. She shot herself in the back yeah, of the head. In the back of the yeah. Head. Um, stabbing herself twenty times though. This is a new endeavor for us. Well, it depends so, on the angle of the stab wounds. They're saying, all right. So, but also, like, to stab yourself 20 times. Physically possible. Is it reasonable? <sighs> That's a different question. Well, I'm jumping way ahead right now, and I will get to this. But it's not a matter of stabbing yourself 20 times. She could have stabbed herself 2,000 times. It doesn't matter. What matters is one incision that she made which we'll get into in detail here in a minute that came extremely minutely close if not completely severed a part of her spinal cord which pathologists claim and with all their knowledge that if she would have severed her spinal cord in this one spot which I'll show you she would have been completely paralyzed she would have she would not be able to move any muscle whatsoever, but, and that would make it impossible. The police arrived. They treated it as a suicide for two reasons. Number one, the door was locked, at least from what the boyfriend said, even though the 911 call, he said it was a deadbolt, and it's not a deadbolt per se. It is a hotel room lock. Hotel room lock. And that lock is extremely important. I actually never seen an apartment that had those. I always see the deadbolts. The chain. But- a deadbolt you cannot easily break into. But one of those hotel locks, as we're going to see, there's thousands of videos on how to easily break into that. Oh, good. And then lock that. it back, you know, without being inside. I can't wait to remember that when we go to CrimeCon this year. Oh, well, that's an easy fix. We'll just move the safe and ironing board in front of the door. Good call. The second reason that they ruled it as suicide is because because Samuel Goldberg, the fiance, stayed there the whole time. He was extremely cooperative and he seemed like a normal grieving. I just lost my fiance type of guy. In fact, at the funeral, he was breaking down, crying, and no one had any question that it was anything to do with him. He was literally he was grieving and everyone knew that. And the police made that call based on those two things. Now, I know 20 stab wounds sounds like a lot, but you got to keep in mind the police detectives, they're just trying to clear the scene. Their job isn't to shave the back of the head and do a full autopsy on everything and then and then determine the cause of death like accurately. That's the pathologist. That's what he does. So they ruled it a suicide right off the bat. Now, when it gets to the medical examiner the next day and he does the autopsy, then it is ruled a homicide. There was CCTV at the apartment, but unfortunately, it only covered the main entrance of the apartment. And that was thoroughly checked out. And there was no one walking through the scenes that should not have been there. Everyone walking through... During the time of her murder or suicide was a resident. Now you may ask, what about the fiance's key fob? Because it's an apartment with a key fob. You got to swipe the key fob to get in. Those records checked out as well. He did go to the gym. They got that. 
that was on record. He did come back at that time. Everything is what he said it was. They would have saw him walking back into the apartment. They saw him leave, and then there's no other way to get into the apartment. You can't scale the wall like Spider-Man. You got to go through the, the front entrance. And this is in the middle of the day, so he's not climbing some weird grappling hook to get up there, you know? Uh, the CCTV is showing the hallways in the front door and the front door of their apartment. No, not their apartment, just the entrances of the apartment complex itself. So it could have been somebody who resides within the apartment complex. Yeah, if, it if could it's, have been, yeah. If it's possible to open those types of deadbolts, like you said, there was internet videos of showing people how to do yeah, it. Oh, if yeah, it's you possible. just need a long hook. But what's the motive? She was not sexually assaulted. She has no defensive wounds. But, however, she left no suicide note. There was nothing on her computer history that when they looked through her history, telling them that she would have been thinking about suicide. So let's get into the actual autopsy right now. Now, this is the first autopsy that was done. There were at least two more pathologists later that conducted autopsies on segments of her spinal cord. But this is the initial autopsy from the medical examiner which ruled it a homicide. All right, so what you're looking at right now is the autopsy report that was initially done on Ellen Greenberg. I'm going to scroll quickly down through stab wounds A through T, and you'll notice a lot of them are very small. So, Nicole, tell us what the sizes these stab wounds are. 0.4 to 0.2 centimeters. And what is a centimeter compared to inches? Y'all know that? Uh, One inch is 2.54 centimeters. Uh, 0.3 to 0.1 centimeter. So you're seeing that they're really yeah. small. Not okay. just that, but they're not consistent in size either. Well, some of them are. Upper right arm has a round 3 by 4 centimeter contusion. The right forearm has a 3 by 1.5 centimeter area of round contusions. The right lower quadrant of the abdomen has a 3 by 3.5 centimeter contusion. The right thigh has a vertical row of round contusions that are 2.5 by 3 centimeter and 4.5 by 3 centimeter and 5.5 by 6 centimeter. Above the right knee is a 4.5 by 3 centimeter area above the three round contusions. That's interesting uh. that all of the contusions are round, but they're also on her right side, which may be consistent with her after she is attacked from the back, turning and falling into that cabinet on the right hand side. So most of the stab wounds were very minor compared to... Except one major that blew her on the head. So go to talkmore.com to see the positioning and the size of the stab wounds. This is a computer-generated model. This is not her actual head. So you see they're pretty small. So, I mean, who would come up behind someone and barely just prick them in the neck? You know what I'm saying? They're not very thick. They're not. So when you see a headline that says 20 stab wounds, what you're actually looking at is very small wounds. Some of them were 0.1 centimeters and a centimeter is 2.54 inches. Very little. It takes 2.54. Yeah, it's very little. These are in the very tiny contusions. Seeing this picture makes me think very differently. Yeah. Um, It almost looks like she was attacked by a cat or an animal that got in or something. Oh, an owl. Owl theory. Let's bring it up. Owl theory. The diagram you're looking at now, where it says T, 
that's the one that they think severed her spinal column. And what did I say? If it's severed, and, and I'm not an anatomist, I'm not a doctor, but from what I read, if it severed her spinal cord, she would have been completely immobile. She would not be able to move. She would not be able to finish stabbing herself. And that is, but that is T. Are they going in order in which the I don't stab think so. Wounds, I don't think, think they're happen? going in order, no, mm-hmm. because the last one was the four inch inside of her chest. So this is the knife that you're looking at right here. This is the only knife mm. apparently she used. Is that this a Cutco was a knife? Yeah, it's a 10 inch kitchen knife. It was embedded deep inside of her chest when they found her. Okay, so here's where we're at. Ellen is found dead, 20 stab wounds, but you saw the stab wounds. A lot of them were tiny incisions. Mm-hmm. And Nicks. They were like little Nicks. Nicks, right. So now we're going to talk about the suicide theory. And then we're going to talk about the homicide theory. And then I'm going to let you guys decide. Okay. And I'm going to show you where I'm at, too, on this case. But let's start by talking about the suicide theory. Number one, the door was locked, obviously. The fiancé, very cooperative. No signs of intruder. No defensive wounds. Everything else. There was no blood splatter everywhere else. And before you guys ask, no, they did not perform a luminol test in the house. And they should have. Well, yeah. Because the murderer could have cleaned up. They didn't do that. They didn't do a lot of stuff because they thought it was a suicide. Now, the marks. Just because of the lock. 20 stab wounds. Now, this is very interesting because women don't usually kill themselves by stabbing themselves. They either hang themselves or they take pills and overdose. Yeah. That is their usual MO if they want to kill themselves. That's true. Men are typically more use more violent. So the majority of the cuts were very small. Now, this is very interesting. I've never heard of this, but it makes sense. Let's say, God forbid, you're trying to stab yourself to death. Do you just plunge it right in there? Ugh. No. You do what detectives call, quote, hesitation marks. They're they're very specific. They're on your forearms. You see the defensive wounds, which she didn't have any. But hesitation marks are where you, eh, oh, shit, that hurt. Okay, let me do it again. Eh. And they're very small, mm-hmm. but you're hesitating. You're not going in. You're not taking the final plunge mm. into yeah. your chest yet. These, from what the people in this, from what the detectives in the suicide camp call hesitation wounds marks okay. hesitation wounds she did have and she had a of lot of those from what it looked like yeah i know it is in the back of the neck that is a weird place to stab yourself and the family including their investigator that they hired said i tried to get multiple people to try to hold the knife in a position that way and do it and no one could do it that is not true it can be done this whole thing can be done from what the medical examiner came out. The wound did not completely sever the spinal cord that went through the back of her neck, so she was not immobilized. She could have done this. She could very well have done this it to is herself. Physically possible. Mm-hmm. Yes. So when it comes, so when it comes to the damage of the spinal cord, the neuropathologist who conducted the exam informed the police, "quote." The spinal cord sheath was hit, but the cord itself was not severed. Therefore, from what this neuropathologist 
claims she would have been able to continue with the suicide. Neuropathologist Dr. Lucy Rourke examined the spinal cord and concluded there is no defect of the spinal cord. No defect of the spinal cord. Was there any alcohol in her system? That's a good question. There was no alcohol, but there were two other things that has she that she has been taking for several weeks. Number one. Weeks. Yeah, several weeks. Okay. Number one, Ambien. Mm. Number two, Klonopin. And I did see, and we'll get into later, I did see that she was also taking sertraline. Which is what okay. I'm taking. Is, yes. That's basically Zoloft. That's a new name but for Zoloft. But has she been on that for a long time? No, she had just got on it. Mm. Just got on it. Well, she could have been reacting to yep. the medication. Definitely could be. So let's go during this. Have you noticed a difference since you've gone to 150 to 100? I have. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. You I, feel a lot better, don't you? I was like, I, was, I couldn't, I wasn't motivated to do shit. You fe- mm-hmm. I know you feel I was a like a better. zombie. Both of these pills have suicidal ideation uh, yes, and suicidal yep, thoughts mm-hmm. associated with them mm-hmm. and i can contest to that because i take this dumbass shit because i have to and i think about that sometimes so i can see that mm-hmm. when i was taking heavy zoloft when i got back from war the first time because everyone was killing themselves it's like the thing to do so everyone was taking these freaking things you know and we all felt like zombies and we all just felt like killing ourselves all the time especially if she if that's those are it sounds like three different medications that she started recently you said weeks she was taking the the ambien and the clonopin and then she started the citrulline that's all three of them have side effects of suicidal ideation i don't know 100 percent. she's taking citrulline you're looking at the toxicology report right now it says clonopin and it says somewhere up there ambien one of those weird but from her Z- records, or something. You saw Zoloft. No, I, I, I'll, I'll show you where I saw Zoloft here in a minute. Now, where are you guys at right now? <sighs> Amazingly, I'm leaning more suicide now. I'm the flip flopper of this presidential election. It's funny you say flip flopper because, as I said earlier, this went from suicide to homicide, suicide to homicide. I mean, think about the family, man. They're like suffering. They can't even get an accurate or even a stable ruling for their daughter's death. You know, they they were told it was a homicide at her funeral. And at the funeral, Uh. the father in front of the whole congregation or the whole in front of the whole gathering said, everyone, I want to make an announcement. My daughter's ruling was changed from a suicide. and." My daughter has been murdered. So they're at her. Oh, that's awkward. To, to jump like that. And I understand this is a very weird and hard case because yeah. it's like, man, you know, why kill yourself like that? And, and stab yourself, cut your wrist. Okay. But 20 times in the back of the neck. Like, but- what the fuck? That's so crazy. That's so outrageous. About two months before her death. Ellen had begun displaying a marked change in her demeanor. Now I'm pulling a lot of this word from word from an inquisitor article that I'll link on talkmer.com, but they did a fantastic write up on the overview of the case. But about two months before her death, Ellen started displaying a marked change in her demeanor. Her parents, now this is from the inquisitor, 
quote, watched as their bubbly and outgoing daughter suddenly became unsettled and anxious. When they asked what was wrong, she would only say she was stressed about her job. So she's an elementary school teacher and she was stressed about her job. You got the weather being all shitty, snowing, nor'easters everywhere. Then the wedding's coming up. It's a lot of stress. I mean, you just went through a wedding, didn't you? Yeah, a little bit stressful during the COVID. Yeah. So it's a lot of a lot of stress. So she goes to a psychiatrist a few weeks before this incident happens. And after like the third visit, the psychiatrist prescribed her these medications, the Ambien and the Klonopin. But in the psychiatrist in her notes saw no signs of suicidal ideation or anything else. But she did see that she was very stressed and a lot of her good best friends also claimed that she was stressed. If you want to read this quote right here, this is from one of Ellen's best friends. Her name is Debbie Schwab. Debbie Schwab, one of Ellen's best friends, was struck that Ellen went from being one of the happiest people I knew to filled with anxiety. She kept saying it was because of school. She was very vague about everything, Schwab said. If I asked her anything, there would be a long silence. She didn't want to talk about it. Amy Swartz, a fellow teacher who also taught with Ellen, said that she did have some tough kids in her class, but... Overall, she wasn't subjected to any more stress than any of the other teachers. There wasn't no big thing happening in her school. Now, I'm not trying to downplay, you know, her stress at all. I'm just saying there's no big incident. She's not on the verge of getting fired or, you know, something like that that has really got her stressed out. Now, also around this time, she asked her mom and dad if she can move back in. Now, keep in mind, they're about to get married. But Ellen says this has nothing to do with Samuel. He's a good guy. Nothing to do with him. I just, I'm, I'm stressed. I want to move back home for a little bit. The save the date cards arrived on January 19th. And remember her death was January 26th. Now we jump to 2017 where the family who has been shuffled around through all this confusion, they hire their own experts. Not only was the family thrown back and forth between suicide and homicide, they were also denied any of the reports from this apparently closed case. And the Inquisitor article that I am linking on TalkMurder.com, they actually had to purchase these reports, which is so fucked up. You're making yeah, the family buy weird. their daughter's death photos and Probably shit. Probably not okay. No, yeah, this no. is awful. It's really awful. Anyway, the family tries to get these reports and they hire an attorney and they hire their own pathologist and their own detective and everything else. The thing you just read with Dr. Lucy Rourke saying that the spinal cord was fine. There was no disconnection of the spinal cord. Yeah. That report was nowhere to be found. Really? At all. What? It wasn't in any of the files. It wasn't at the DA's office. It wasn't at the police office. It wasn't at the medical examiner's office. And then when they contacted this doctor, she doesn't even remember doing it. What? what? At all. She says she may have looked at it, but there was no bill of sale. So she, she had no record of actually making this call. So now things get a little weird. Because oh, now you have right. to throw out that first report because it doesn't exist. 
That report just does not exist. The limit does at not all. exist. It's like they never did it. They never did. The police never did Luminol. They never did anything. And they didn't even do the report. They basically lied to the family. Where else would it be? You don't just misplace that. They didn't do it. She didn't remember doing it. They did not do it. So the family gets their. But is it possible that she has so many cases that she just didn't remember it? That's why you have a filing system, isn't it? They still had her spinal column. A segment of her spinal column. They still had all the other reports. Okay. But they did not have this one key report that said her spinal cord was not damaged. Therefore, she could have did this. So it may have been damaged. Is what you're trying to say. Exactly. And that turns things on its head. It does. Oh, but it does. So torn. Now, this is from Wayne K. Ross. I am struggling with this more than I did with Phoebe's fall. Up until the very end, when you yeah. threw in that whole guy who had another woman who this died. This is a really interesting case. They actually hired this guy right here. Now, remember his face and his name, because he's going to come up in a later episode. His name is Wayne Ross. He's a forensic pathologist from Lancaster. And he's also the one that initially contested the one bullet JFK theory. Whoa. The magic bullet. So talk about a pioneer. (laughs) I I must say that I have been enjoying the Kennedys on Hulu. It's an older show, but it's from 2011, but it's really good. Greg Greg Kinnear plays JFK and he looks just like him. It's crazy. I love him. All right, go ahead and read this, Nicole. This is from the pathologist Wayne K. Ross. Ross concluded that one of the stab wounds penetrated Ellen's cranial cavity and severed the cranial nerves and brain, according to his January 2017 report. As a result, she would experience severe pain and impaired loss of consciousness, Ross wrote. So that one stab wound in the back of her neck, he's saying, would have incapacitated her. Mm. Now this... But I thought it didn't. But that report cannot be found, so we don't know. Now, keep in mind, this is a pathologist, even though he's world renowned, he was hired by the family and their defense team, basically. So you got to keep that in mind. He may have had a bias. Mm. I do want to say that. But as far as if this could happen, as of now, you have to be at no, it could not have happened. She could not have killed herself because this pathologist that has been doing this for however many years Claims that it's not possible. I mean, if that is truly the report. That's his report. He actually saw the spinal Ugh. column because that they had saved that in the autopsy pictures. And that's what he came out with. He said it's it. not possible. It's not possible. That she was- could not have finished the job. Even if she started, she could not have finished. I was so on team suicide before this. Now, that's just, that's just him saying that. But that's just a world-renowned pathologist saying that. And the other well, report means something. The other report doesn't exist at all. So you know, what are you gonna do? Well, is it a cover up? Who were who is this guy's parents? So let me ask you right now, what team are you on? Are you on suicide or homicide? Up until this very point, I was team suicide. <laughs> and now I don't know what to believe. It's like uh, is Santa Claus real or is he not? I don't he know. Is. How could you how dare you? Right? 
How dare you? But someone's making me question it. We talked about this club before. It's the Video CQ Society. It's a bunch of detectives, retired detectives. The smiley face killers. Yeah, yeah. Smiley face killers. And I think they did another big case we talked about. Anyway, one of the guys that the family hired is one of the detectives that that works on that team. So basically what it is, is the V-I-D-O-C-Q Society. You can look it up. They're a bunch of retired detectives and pathologists and, and crime scene forensic experts. They all get together and they try to solve a crime. They usually have success and they overturn decades of wrong thinking and everything else. So they're on it, or at least the one guy is. And this guy's name is Tom Brennan. And he says, quote, I don't understand how they wrote this off as a suicide. It is referred to as a blitz attack. Now, he is referring to the lack of defensive wounds on the body. A blitz attack where the victim is attacked so quickly that they're unable to defend themselves. So she's turned around at that fruit bowl that she's cutting for her, her future husband. She has no idea this guy is or whoever, guy, girl, whoever, goblin, is sneaking up behind her and just like a blitz attack like the Nazis. And before she can even do anything, she's sliding down the cabinet doors. Yeah, but on the same hand, would you not use that much force as to not like go go deep into her neck? Well, if it's a blitz attack, you may she's moving around. You may not get it to go in there. You're just like uh, uh, kind of a miss missing. I'm just saying what he's saying. There's also one other thing that he says is an undeniable proof that this is murder. If oh, you what? look, if you look at her face, which we don't have those public autopsy photos. But there is a horizontal strip of blood going from the back of her neck to her nose. If she committed suicide standing up, where does gravity pull blood? Down. Down, 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 down. There's no way that she could have got that horizontal um, dried blood. She would have done that laying down from her nose to her neck well who's to say that she was standing when she committed suicide also well i feel like she could have done the back of the head stuff standing up yeah but then maybe she got tired and sat down one more thing that he claims is undeniable proof and i showed you guys a picture of it earlier but i didn't really explain what it is and you can see it at talkmore.com this towel was found right beside Ellen's body, and there was not one drop of blood on it. There was blood on the cabinets. There was even blood on the counter. You saw that one drop of blood. There was blood all over the place. Wait, is she naked? No, she's not naked. She's got clothes on. So that is, and I'm putting these on talkmer.com. But he says that's undeniable proof that someone cleaned up the blood, and they would have found the residue if they would have just did a luminol test which they did not now i didn't even go into the fiance's background i think you need to just a smidge but is he a suspect he has never been a suspect i don't even think but should he be i don't think the family thinks he's a suspect well he could have hired someone they seemed very happy in that picture i don't know pictures don't tell the whole story True. John and I look so happy on the beach this morning. We're freaking depressed. 
<laughs> I'm sad I missed it, but uh, you know, I just wanted it worked out. Okay, so where are you guys at right now? Suicide, uh, homicide. I uh, I'm still leaning towards suicide. To be completely honest with you, All right, it you- depends on this whole spinal cord thing. Because you're right, your approach is the right one, which is is it physically possible? But you saw the spinal cord. But that wasn't in the initial report that you sent us, so my view is kind of tainted. But the guy they hired is the guy they hired. He may have had a bias. The state has not done an alternate report. They have not done an alternate autopsy because they maintain suicide to this day. So the only really the only way is to get someone that is not biased and not paid by the family to come in there and give an accurate you know report no matter what it is. Mhm. Another thing that pisses me off about this and makes me think it's a cover up is there were computer searches on her freaking computer. Of what? And they didn't tell the family any of, of this. What? Remember the the state How to kill yourself? The what? state had locked all this up and was refusing to give any of it to the family. So they finally graced them with their presence of releasing hand-picked computer searches. And I'm gonna put these on talkmer.com. But I want to say I spent a lot of time looking at these specifically. And since our podcast is pretty popular. You guys know we get a lot of the family members listening to this. The family may actually listen to this episode. So I would like to give them a suggestion about something that caught my eye that I don't think caught anyone else's eye. And it's in the computer searches because that's what I love to do. I like looking at that stuff and something really stuck out to me and it almost sways me back to homicide. Go on. So I'm going to show you the searches now. I'll put them on talkmer.com like always. All right. These are the search terms that they found on the computer, even though at first they said they didn't find any search terms. So I don't know how the fuck these even came to light. But as you'll see, they're all handpicked. Meaning, what, is, what do you mean by that? Okay. I'll show you right now. For instance, look at this one. It says I2CDN, which is like a picture, server picture. Sex fantasy death that is highlighted by the state. So if you go up to the note section, you'll see that the state has highlighted important key searches. It was searched on January 3rd, 2011 at 12.09 a.m. So right after midnight. The search is of a picture like on Google Images. That's why you see CDN. That's a content distribution network. That's where people... uh, That's where big websites post pictures so it doesn't drain their bandwidth on their website. And then it says sex fantasy death. This is from CNN. You see Turner.com that owns CNN, Mm -hmm. CNN video. Now, this was on the 3rd of January, 2011 at 12.09. But where did she come from? That's what handpicked means. You don't just open up your computer And instead of going to Google homepage, you go to sex fantasy death, a picture. Where did she come from before that? She clicked a link. What link? That's what I'm trying to say. From someone? This is, no, I'm trying to answer your question. Why are they handpicked? What does handpicked mean? It means they omitted things that would be important. I want to know how she got to search sex fantasy death and see that picture. How did she get there? Now, 
I looked up that picture and this is where it brought me. Now, this is this is crazy. All this right. is what I'm telling you. If the family ever listens to this, which they may not, but I would definitely go down this road. This is the actual picture she looked at. So remember that guy's face. It looks okay. like Post Malone before the tattoos. Remember that guy's face. Now uh-huh. let's go back and search right quick. 2010, 12, 19, sex fantasy. Please don't go through my search history later. <laughs> We're married now. What's uh, yours is mine. <laughs> so, Do you want to admit that? Or, I mean, there might be some weird shit on there. Uh, I'm sure there is. Look at that guy right there. Uh-huh. You see his face? Yes. This is the article right here. That's the same guy, is it? Yeah. yeah. Now read the headline on that. Sex fantasy shooting leads to manslaughter charge against OKC man. Which is Oklahoma City. Now, this article basically says this guy, which has nothing to do with the actual story, but she was searching this. She looked at this guy. He was in a sex fantasy game with his wife, which apparently is 25 years older than him. And if you want to read this, just read the rest of this. This is from uh, News9.com. Arthur Settelide, 24, was arrested in December for shooting his 50-year-old wife, Rebecca Settelide. Settelide told police he grabbed a gun off the shelf by the couple's bed and racked the slide, which caused the gun to cock. He said he put it next to his wife and it went off. Settelide said he did not realize the gun was loaded. Oklahoma County District Attorney Michael Field said that Satellite created an unreasonable risk and probability of death or great bodily harm when he put the gun to Rebecca Satellite's forehead. Okay, then it says if convicted, Satellite could be sentenced to at least four years for killing his wife. They're basically saying he staged it as a sex fantasy and killed his wife. Why would she be searching that? Does this not seem like something uh, the guy or the husband would search to try to cover it up? A sex fantasy. This guy kills his wife. I'm just saying. But the the reason they they put that in there, they cherry pick that in there. It's like, oh, she's searching this because she obviously has sex fantasies. But if you read the article, it's it's about this guy that stages his wife's death hmm. and is remarkably similar to this story. Instead of a gun, it's a knife. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And at the last line, he could get four years in prison. Only four. Four years. I'm just saying, before we go through any other the search links, one thing I need to throw out there, kind of a wrench in all this, my searches, is Ellen Greenberg... Weeks leading up to her death, told a friend, and she went on record, it was in the Oxygen documentary, that she had trouble sleeping. In fact, she was taking Ambien. Mm -hmm. So these searches are coming in after midnight. So, and it's from her computer. it it can be her. If she's having trouble sleeping, and and you'll see these searches are like three in the morning, is it the, the fiance doing this, you know? Or is it her that can't sleep doing this? Oh. So that is that's the other side to that. And to to stay objective in this case, I have to throw that in there. Because you'll notice that the times are all after midnight when she searches this stuff. Oh, I'm so torn. I think it was her. I think it was her. This one right here. 
is the Anheuser-Busch oh. um, girlfriend. She was a model and she died, but she died of cocaine oh. from what they say. But that was the search for the model death 911. That's the search there. Okay, now you see she's searching Zoloft. Are they filtering? Like, they must be filtering these searches. Yes, that's why they handpicked them. Like this, for instance, she clicked an ad here. Outbrain.com is the ad server, because I used to be a marketer. I, used, I know that. And instead of going to a site, it does nothing. See, she clicked the ad on January 9th, 2011, and then nothing. They omitted it where it goes. So it's like, why omit it? It's sketchy to me. Just yeah. put it all in there. Who gives a shit if it's 50 pages? It's a PDF. You release it on the internet. It doesn't fucking matter, you know? Mm. She went somewhere after clicking that fucking ad. Why, where, you know? Where did she go after that? I'm just saying. So they highlighted suicide also, methods. Also, the one above, suffocation with something. Yeah, suffocation. So women... If they kill themselves, it's going to be pills, hanging, or suffocation. That's the most likely MO. Okay. So she's thinking about it from what it looks like. She's searching it. And it's all after night. You see, this is this is 1.57. This isn't 1 p.m. because it's all military time. You see right. it here. Well, 14.36. That, yeah, so the, every time. Uh, so when she's searching this stuff, she's searching it after midnight. She searches Zoloft, which is sertraline, the same thing. So she searches how to take it. Then she searches stuff, which makes me kind of think it is her. She searches stuff like how to take. She says sertraline, weight loss. And this is this is at 328 in the morning after all these other searches. So do you think the fiance is saying, oh, maybe I should type in sertraline weight loss to throw him off trail. You know what I'm saying? Like only a woman would think of that. I take sertraline and I have never, ever typed in sertraline weight loss or even thought about it. Can I ask a question, though, about that that search about the suffocation? You can see it's at 2.36 p.m. If she's an elementary school teacher, she probably wouldn't be home at that time unless she was on Christmas break, which is it's happening right around the holidays. So 1218, they may be out of school. That's that's a question to they, ask. Yeah, they were out of school. Sorry, I I, I didn't put that in there. Um, I don't really know about school schedules, and I think it was because of the Nor'easter. But they but I did read that she was currently out of school. Yeah. On the 18th. Oh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know the, the day. I didn't write the date down. I don't know when. Well, I'm just saying, well, I, if the first thing I, I know struck, when she died, she yeah. was out of school. Well, the first thing that struck me, the, the search that I'm looking at right now is 1218 at 236 p.m. Oh, so she's searching this at work is what you're trying to say. What I'm saying is if it's on her personal computer, teachers typically don't have their personal computers at work. They may have a work computer um, that they would be searching on, but... To take your own personal computer to work, that's that's that, that strikes me as a little odd. Twelve eighteen, that's five days. No, that is she, they could be on break, but it they could, could be. It's a little early though. I think it's I, more. They, you know, we, it could be the I think they're on break yeah. because yeah. of the nor'easter is what I read. Well, that this is right before. This isn't. This isn't oh, immediately. At, this know. is December eighteenth. She died on January twenty sixth. Would be, which would be back in session for school. But if it was nor'easter, would be probably home. Then she searches stuff like. 
Atkins Diet Bulletin Board. Mm. And I look at it kind of like, how did she get there? Because she... She's gaining weight from the search lane. Yeah. Now, they highlighted this. It's like, oh, my God, electrocuted to death and doing Uh. Twitter in the bathtub. What this is, it was not suicide. I looked it up. This poor, uh, I think she was 16 or something. This was in Philly because it was in the Inquisitor news website. She was Twittering on her... Twitter phone or whatever, and she gets in the bathtub and her phone, her cell phone was like at 1%. So she grabs her computer, which is also about Uh, dead, and then she plugs it up and then, you know, yada, uh, yada, yada, kills her. It wasn't a suicide or anything. So the fact that they highlighted that is very deceiving. Why would they highlight that? If I go through any one of you listening, you have stuff like that, too, because you click on stuff. You're a true crime listener. You click on stuff. Oh, electrocuted to death in the bathtub everyone has that search engine and it's not a weird website that's the inquisitor that's the philadelphia news that's like charleston post well especially if it was a a philadelphia girl it's something that's relevant to her community probably so i mean maybe she she knew the family or you know sometimes when i see charleston stories i click on those myself if it's an interesting story so yeah and then it goes down to religion theology painless suicide I went to that, and we can go there actually right now. It's really interesting. The website that she went to basically asked one question, will I go to hell as a Christian if I commit suicide? It's very like, it gave me goosebumps going to that website because I know she went there asking that question, you know, if she, if she did, I'm saying, but it, you know, it's kind of, ugh. Yeah. It kind of gave me goosebumps. Yeah. See, it asks, like, um, you know, will, will you be burnt eternal in hell? Please read, can people submit, commit suicide and be saved? So it's very eerie to go there after she did. Yeah. It's like, because these searches really got to me. That one with the sex fantasy, because that wasn't in Philly. That was in Kansas. Like, how did she get there? Like how, what got her there? Well, maybe there was a, that maybe she was on Facebook and it was a headline that came up. When you see sex fantasy death, it's kind of like, I would be like, oh, what is this about? That's kind of an interesting Yeah, but isn't it weird that it's, it's like the same scenario. The man kills his wife out of a sex game. I don't know. That just struck me as weird right at the bat. Yeah, but the way that she was dressed I mean, she was wearing her Uggs. Like, no, I'm saying were- if it was the fiance or whoever. Honestly, if I have to choose, because this is Team John, obviously I got to choose one way. I am more towards suicide at this point. But, man, this is a rough one, dude. <laughs> because, I, ag- I agree with you. Holy yeah. shit, dude. How, why would you stab yourself in the back of the head 20 times like it's well what i'm saying they're so and it's so violent and it's no suicide no nothing she was mixing a fruit cocktail and all of a sudden just out of nowhere and you know what i i was telling savannah she actually recommended the case because we see this a lot when people start taking these drugs these Sertralines, these Zolofs, because in every story we've done that is murder-suicide, there has been, quote, a marked change in demeanor. Yep. And it is, I, I was telling Savannah, it's almost like a disease. Like, they get this disease, and it changes their outlook completely, mm-hmm. and they, all of a sudden they just want to 
kill themselves, like right out of nowhere. Or they feel better. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. So, um, I, you know, it's interesting. When we were talking about the the impact of the nor'easter, at first it was almost like, oh, maybe it could be a cover-up. But in fact, it, if there was a killer, it would probably, the fact that there was a nor'easter would be the best chance of evidence. Because if there was no snow, if it was a rainy day, or if it was a sunny day, there would be no tracks to go and look at. But the fact that there was a nor'easter and there were no tracks that they could find to go look at, I think also means something. Yeah, but yeah. when you think about, I'm not, I'm not trying to say no, you're wrong. I'm, I'm just playing devil's advocate. When you think about a nor'easter, it's not the same thing as saying it's a snowstorm or a blizzard. It can be snow, it can be slosh, it can be rain. So it could be of a, the could, same impact as a sunny day or a rainy day. Yeah, it, it just kind of... But if anything, it could also provide evidence right, of no. a snow boot. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. It just kind of depends on w- what what that nor'easter did. Did it, did it if, dump yeah, 12 feet of snow? Was, but if of there it. was any chance of there being a footprint... There was on no the fire oh, escape, yeah. it would be thanks to the nor'easter. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but there was none. Yeah, and so like, all right, if it was a sunny day in the summer, if it was a rainy day, a sloshy day, whatever, there'd be no print anyway. Yeah, but there was a nor'easter, so there could have been yeah some sort of imprint. That's yeah, that's kind of what I was. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. I really hope the family gets closure. But if you watch the oxygen documentary, you're going to come away thinking it's a murder. But you have to you have to weigh both sides, man. And you know, I don't think the fiance did it. He was ruled out. None of the family thinks he did it. None of the friends thinks he did it. He was gone. Number one, he has records of being at the gym, and then his key fob. So it's like, you know, who would do this? And then you have her search history when she has been complaining of not being able to sleep at night and she's up at three in the morning searching for this. Like, it's like, man, ah, you know, it's sad. It doesn't feel great. This is one thing that I learned from the bald dead case. And I would imagine people think like this, but if you wanted to kill yourself and you don't write a note or anything, the reason may be is because you don't want, you don't want your family to know that you gave up on life. So maybe you're thinking you should stage it as a murder. And maybe that happened in the bald dead episode that we did. It's just easier. But in the long run, it just makes it way more heartbreaking, way more confusing. And they never get justice. But it's like you don't want to admit that you're suicidal and you don't want your family to know that you committed suicide, so you stage a murder. I, I feel like that may be some of the psychology if she killed herself. I don't know. That's all I got to yeah. say about it. Yeah. So, I don't know. That's a crazy case. So, yeah. to, so are we all leaning team suicide? I am. I'm one? a suicide, yeah. But, but I do want to say, please go support the family. They have a Facebook page, Justice for Ellen. Please go like it, support them, donate to cover their cost. It is a very tragic thing for them. You can tell they lost their only daughter and they have never gotten a ruling that has made sense to anyone. And they were ping pong back and forth. And eventually the state just landed on suicide and closed the case. Mm. And now they're in the process of getting the case reopened 
but the state uh-huh. just doesn't want to do it. And I mean, I, I don't know. So it's, it's they, they got a long road to go, but so go and support them like their Facebook page and, and they updated, they updated it today. They're, they're doing a lot of stuff. So that's all I can suggest. But thank you so much, Savannah, for this case, making us all depressed. <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit that subscribe button or whatever podcasting app you use. If you like the story, you can follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you're absolutely obsessed with this podcast and want to become our stalker, go talkmer.com slash join. Become a Talco Supremo. Get a badass t-shirt, sticker, swag, a lot love. Shout it out all over the place. Tell me what story you want me to do. I'll research it, dedicate it. You want to talk more to be podcast. My name is John here with Jen and Nicole. And until next time, good night, you lovely, lovely people.